Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Falling too fast to prepare for these. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotism. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Whip, whip, run me like a racehorse. Pull me like a ripcord. Break me down and build me up. I wanna be the slip, slip. Word upon your lip, lip. Rather that you rip, rip. Break me down and build me up. Whatever it Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 104 of the Hog Talk Podcast. We appreciate you guys joining us alongside Porter Hayes. My name is Kyle Sutherland, and we are also happy to be joined by our newest addition to the Hog Talk, Mr. Kevin Bohannon, a.k.a. the Baseball Guru. Kevin, it's great to officially finally have you on board, man. Hey, it's glad to finally be here, guys, and uh, thank you for having me on, and thank you for having me be a part of uh, such a prestigious podcast that gets a message out to all the Arkansas Razorback fans in the state. And it's just getting started, guys. So uh, we're looking forward to having some great content uh, throughout not just baseball season, but going into football and beyond. To kind of talk about what you do, I know that many are very familiar with you, and you've also been a coach. Uh, Now, you, you still are with baseball, but you've also coached high school football. But talk about just the things that you do for the state and for the Arkansas prospects. Yeah, so I started out uh, 2011, 2012. I was coaching at North Pulaski. I coached football and baseball there, uh, offensive coordinator and coach quarterbacks. Kind of went off my playing days. I played quarterback in high school and college and also played a little college baseball. And then I moved over to Sylvan Hills and was just coaching football. They had a full baseball staff, so I got into, you know, I did some U-trip umpiring and umpiring high school baseball. And just through connections and everything, I got with the Arkansas Prospects. And in 2014, I moved over there and started what would be a tremendous five-year run with this 2020 class. And, you know, we look back and you got six guys that are going to play for the Arkansas Razorbacks. you got a couple that are going to Oklahoma State, Kentucky, Indiana. So it really – we, we all grew up together. So, and I told those kids, guys, I learned just as much from you as you learned from me. So that really, you know, put me in the trenches of Arkansas high school baseball. I got to go out and see a lot of kids play baseball. You know, if they were going to play for the prospects, great. If not, I got to really scout and learn about every corner of the state. So two years ago, Randy Rainwater came up to me and he said, uh, hey, we really want to do something with baseball. And I said, great. I know a couple of guys that would be tremendous for it. 
I'll give you some names. And he was like, I trust you more than anybody else. How about you come on? So we just started out with doing district and conference tournaments, and it evolved into a weekly segment where I go on at 6 o'clock on Wednesdays, and we just touch on the, the pulse of baseball in Arkansas whether it be from who's going to get drafted this year, next year, to perfect game rankings, to, you know, how everybody's doing in college now. So we've really wanted to shine a spotlight on the state of Arkansas as far as baseball goes and make baseball a priority in the state. So I'm glad I have another platform, and this is, you know, as big time as any, uh, to get that message out there. Yeah, and as he mentioned, as he, all the stuff that he talked about, he will be our, our main baseball guy, doing some articles, talking about it on the podcast, but also – uh, we'll be covering all Razorback sports just like we do on here and, and major sports topics. And speaking of major sports topics, as Ty and I were recording Friday's show, there was breaking news upon breaking news of various conferences canceling the non-conference games for this upcoming season. Now, at the time, the Big Ten had only been official. The Pac-12 followed the next day, and the ACC all but has canceled. They, we've seen reports that they're expected to. The stadium and Brett McMurphy was the first one that broke that news. And the SEC and the Big 12 are supposed to, to make their decision sometime this week. And then, of course, this will drop on Monday, and the junior college ranks are expected to possibly move to next spring, which could be uh, devastating for a lot of kids that are trying to play this season and then enroll by January. But uh, Porter, I'll go ahead and uh, start with you. So what are, what are some things, I know you being a Clemson fan and and with them maybe not even playing Notre Dame at this point, there's a lot of big things. I mean, there's just so many different underlying effects of these decisions. And what is your take on this overall so far? Well, you know, let's just be honest with, you know, Clemson, they've really <clears> – <throat> you know, built their schedule around their non-conference of playing those two SEC schools a year. You know, they've had the home and home with Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M recently. And then, of course, their in-state rival with South Carolina. And I read where they are already canceled that game, which is in, you know, the last game of the season. So, you know, if they just go on to just an ACC schedule, it's, it's going to hurt them. I mean, and we don't know what's going to happen with the playoffs. If there's going to be a college, we don't, we don't know that yet, but only having an ACC schedule, it's really going to hurt their chances if they go undefeated and then they look at their resume and be like, well, they didn't really – they didn't play anybody because the ACC is still just coming up. You know, I know North Carolina gave them a scare last year and they have a really good quarterback there. But, you know, for some of these schools, I mean, look at the Pac-12, like all these schools that really need that out-of-conference marquee game to boost the resume, it's, it's really going to hurt them. And, you know, the SEC – they they can get by with it because the conference is so tough that they can schedule eight, nine SEC games and say Alabama runs that gauntlet and, and goes and undefeated. I mean, it's really going to help them come playoff time. Kevin, where are you at on it? Do you feel like this is just going to be more dominoes falling or, or do you possibly see the SEC and maybe even the Big 12 waiting until we get even closer to the season before they make their final decision? I think it is dominoes and we, you talk about any sport, you know, football is the moneymaker with everything. And we saw last week Stanford canceled, did away with 12 different sports. So you're going to see a lot of falling into place, but you know, Notre Dame is a, is a weird situation because they're an independent and they play a lot of ACC schools like we talked about, but it's built into their contract. If something happens, they will take care of Notre Dame they'll make sure that they have enough games on their schedule to where they can, A, become bowl eligible, of course, 
and B, play a full schedule. So they're going to take care of Notre Dame, and I bet the commissioner of the ACC and the powers that be are going to take care of their darling in Clemson and make sure that you know everything's put into place to where Clemson could be right there at the end and play for another national title, especially with uh, the golden child Trevor Lawrence coming out uh, for his swan song this year. USA Today put out an article, I want to say it was maybe Thursday or Friday, they dug into 139 non-con games, talking about the payouts between the, the P5 conferences. If they are not able to play, and this is also including neutral site games, if they're not able to play these games, talking about all five of them, that's $122 million in lost revenue. And if you look at, at the entire landscape of college football with all the non-conference games, that's over $160 million. Just for conversation's sake, and Porter, I'll start, start with you again. Do you think that if we don't have, let's just say in general, we don't play any games whatsoever, right? And we don't even play the conference games. Is this possibly the beginning of the end of, I mean, I know this is extreme, the beginning of the end and putting conference or putting college athletics on life support? Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you look at, you know, the major schools who, like Kevin said, you know, they, they football feeds the other sports. And, you know, I was listening to the radio the other day and they said, this is going to be like a three-year process. I mean, this ain't just going to affect next season or the spring sports next season. I mean, the financial, you know, look at the schools who take those big million dollar payouts that basically funds their season, you know, like when Arkansas state plays a Nebraska or a Georgia, you know, that those million dollar payouts and, What's really going to be eye-opening is we always think of those smaller schools like a like an Arkansas State or an Akron or a Nickel State, but you know you got Stanford, a big D1 school that canceled all those programs. Now, I mean, we're not even looking into the springtime next summer and even the next year when they decide of how many programs they're going to shut down. So we haven't even scraped the surface of just how big this could be if they decide to not play college football at all. And it's not going to only affect other schools, you know, baseball programs. It's going to affect football programs as well. There's going to be some programs that can't even division one schools that are not going to be able to, to fund their, their football programs. And if they don't have football, then it's just going to, it's going to be a huge trickling effect. And yeah, you know, not to be, you know, total doom, but yeah, life support is, it's kind of the right word to put it. Kevin? I think you're going to see more of a split. And we've talked to – Porter just mentioned it being on life support. But you're going to see possibly the Power Five break away from the NCAA. I think you'll see a fracture in the ones that can do and the ones that cannot before you see – and that's obviously going to affect college athletics as a whole and put a – you know, it's going to be divisive – everywhere you look but just think and you talked about arkansas state think of uapb and their basketball how, how many times have they started out the season on an 11 game road trip going to cameron indoor stadium or out to the west coast and playing so they can fund their program so it's gonna affect us in state as well so i think you'll see a split uh, the power fives and you know arkansas has said all along that they're going to be able to fund everything. Hunter Yurchek has come out and said we're not in any distress right now. And I will say this. I talked to Rick, Rick Guarno a couple – that was about a month ago. And he said, 
look, we're in a good situation right now. We're, we're talking about COVID and how their numbers stack up for the next three years. And he said, it's going to be a process that probably this, this past spring is going to affect the next five recruiting classes until it cycles through, but they're not under any financial distress unless football doesn't happen. If football doesn't happen at Arkansas state, you, you'll see a, a drastic cut in other programs. So, Luckily, a lot of places have been fiscally smart, but some places they they rely on football. And as America, we rely on football, not just for the entertainment and everything, but, you know, it, it's a big part of our economy. If you want to get into that and the TV deals and the TV rights and everything, that, that's going to play a big trickle-down effect, not just with football, but with a lot of other things as well. Well, and you look at the baseball programs, even like the big Division One baseball programs, there's only a handful. Arkansas is one of them, and I think LSU is another one that are in the green when it comes to self-sustaining. So there's not that yeah. many. We're going to see a bunch of big Division One schools that it's going to really affect. And with them only having a certain amount of scholarships as it is, I mean, it's really going to – that's where you're going to see a lot of, like I say like a uh, Florida State, say just, just to throw a name out there. If a team like Florida State or, or Texas comes out and says, man, we have to cancel our baseball program because we can't afford it. I mean, that's really going to be the eye-opening thing because just how there's so few schools that have the financial stability like Arkansas does that can be in the green when it comes to, you know, fan support. Yeah, you'll have – and not just Texas and Florida State and these that are Power 5 schools, but you look right under that. Uh, the, the mid-majors, think of Coastal Carolina, 2016 national champions. They're, they're in the Sun Belt right now, and they, they are one football season away from not ever having a program again. So it's going to be really interesting to see. We, we hope that they figure out a way because we're, we're going to lose a lot of great stuff if, if, if it comes to this. So, Yeah, we should know a lot more answers this week. As, as I mentioned, Really, the only thing that we know as we're recording is that there's two P5 conferences that have made this decision to move forward. The ACC all but has. And even Commissioner Greg Sankey out of the SEC, it seems like the Big 12 to me is the, the ones that are the most optimistic just from the reports that I've read. Greg Sankey pretty much said what everybody's thinking on Friday or Saturday, one of those, that we're running out of time. And that goes without saying. I think that we're all pretty much at that point where we're starting to get a little scared. I, I still stand strong that until somebody tells me that we will not be playing, I, I think that it will. And, I'm, and I did mention on Friday's spot that I realized that the cases are rising, but I still stand firm on that. We're going to at least have conference games. It's just there's too much money to be lost when you really think about it. And it's just going to be completely devastating. And it is more about it's there's it's more than just about the money, but it is completely devastating. And we'll be reporting on this as we know more during the week. Uh, probably going to try, depending on when we know uh, the the final results for all the P5 conferences, if we don't have that. Uh, before Friday's pod, try to go live and give an update on that. But that's really what we know at this point. And our, our final thing that we'll talk about before we get into, we're Porter and myself interviewed uh, Amber Ramirez from the Arkansas women's basketball team and did a quick one with her just to get her take on uh, her career overall and some of the things that they expect for the team next season. But uh, the, the 
TBT, I guess that stands for the basketball tournament, right? Porter, I know you yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it literally stands for the basketball tournament. Uh, I've followed it a little bit. I don't have cable. I do pay the $6 for the ESPN subscription. So I've tried to follow it as much as I can. Porter, I'm going to let you touch on it mainly. I know you've followed it a lot, but Team Arkansas isn't playing, but former Razorbacks, uh, Ja'Cory Williams, he's tied for fourth and 19 points per game. Cody Clark is 18. He, he has 18 points per game. That's uh, ninth. But Joe Johnson, man, I don't know how that guy's not on NBA roster right now. He's first with 24 points per game, just been lighting it up. And uh, now as we're recording, he will be playing tonight, uh, Sunday at, at 5 p.m. So by the time you listen to this, that will be over. But they are in the semifinals. And Porter, I'll go ahead and give you the floor just to talk about that. I know you've kept in contact with some of the guys affiliated with TBT. And so I'll go ahead and let you speak about that. Yeah, for the past two years, I've really, you know, got connected with a bunch of the GMs with with the TBT. Of course, uh, Keith Kelly with Team Arkansas last year, they had the team that played in Memphis, and they were really hoping to get in this year. But with COVID, they had to crunch it down to 24 teams and and make it like a, a, a tournament style in a, in a centralized location. Last year, you know, they had different sites, and it's all based around the fans and the fan support. And, you know, it, it's – a Actually, this tournament's been really good. And you know, as you said, they're in the semifinals right now, and it's overseas elite, which is Joe Johnson's team, has won – they won four in a row, and they lost last year to Carmen's crew out of the Ohio. And it's basically – what's really cool about it is a lot of these teams are alumni-based teams, like former players at Ohio State, former players at Arkansas. They form these teams, and then they bring in others. So Joe Johnson was kind of scheduled to uh, play with Team Arkansas TBT, but – just the pieces couldn't come together to get him. So he ended up playing for overseas elite. So, you know, you got the four-time champion overseas elite, and then you add Joe Johnson to the mix. I mean, it, they're just very dominant. And they played a team heard that, which was kind of like the Cinderella team. And Ott Elmore and his brother, John, you know, he, it, it was just funny watching it and hearing all the commentary of, you got this seven-time All-Star player going against the YMCA All-Star. It was just funny watching them, you know, and they knew. I mean, it was <clears> – <throat> I knew from the start. Now, you know, team heard that kind of stayed in the game a little bit. But once Overseas Elite got that run going and just – I mean, they beat them by almost 20. But the team I really have been following is Sideline Cancer. And they, they play the, – their mission is to play and bring more awareness to pancreatic cancer and the, the Griffith family – you know, it's to support them. And the coolest thing about it is this is a, a million-dollar tournament. So all the players, they split a million dollars. Well, they have all taken money out of their share, and they're going to put it towards the, the Sideline Cancer Foundation. So uh, the rule, I mean, they got Marcus Kane is just going off. He's got 19.3 points a game. And – Remy Bell, Mo Creek. I mean, they got they got a really talented squad, so that should make up for a really good game coming up tonight at five Central Time, and then uh, the Golden Eagles, which is the Marquette alum, going against the Red Scare, which is the Dayton alum. Um, they they were trying to get Dwayne Wade to play with them this year, just couldn't make it happen. But man, if y'all have a chance to watch this, I know by the time we record and drop it, the the finals will be Tuesday, but. It's been an exciting tournament. It gives us live sports, but it's not like we're watching Korean baseball at four o'clock in the morning. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> it's legit. It's legit good basketball, and these guys are you know they're playing for a million dollars, a share at the million dollars. So it's and it's not like third place gets this, 
second place. It's it's you win, and that's the only way you get money. Yeah, it is all. exciting. Yeah, it's exciting to watch, man. I, that, like you said, it's it's just good to have live sports again. I, I'm at the point where I, I'm about ready to just go drive down the street to a park and watch some guys play pickup. I'm literally <laughs> at that point. Well, uh, guys, I think that'll do it. Again, Kevin, great having you on, and uh, look forward to, to more. It's great to have you be a part of this, and and uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And for sure, keep to uh, keep on, and we'll uh, have you the interview next with Amber Ramirez. A lot of good stuff on there, and, and a lot of good. We're expecting a whole lot from the Lady Bag basketball team and coming into next season. And uh, that'll do it for episode number one hundred and four of the Hog Talk podcast for Kevin Bohan and Porter Hayes. My name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. We're now joined by Arkansas women's basketball guard and one half of the Splash Sisters, Amber Ramirez. Amber, first off, uh, thanks for joining us and really appreciate you coming on here. Are you uh, spending your time right now in Fayetteville or are you at home in San Antonio? No, right now I'm in Fayetteville. Gotcha. Cool. Well, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask you, let's, well, we've asked just about everybody. Uh, I know that the, the quarantine and the virus, of course, it unfortunately ended you guys season a little quicker than expected, but well, how have you been spending that? Have you been hanging out with your teammates and playing a little pickup, working out? What have y'all been doing? No, definitely staying in the gym right now. We're lifting weights, uh, doing conditioning, um, just staying in the gym, trying to stay active, um, waiting for season. Gotcha. Cool. Well, uh, talk about that real quick. What was what what was that like? I mean, obviously, I know it was extremely devastating to for that to be cut short during the SEC tournament uh, right around that time before we got into the NCAA. And you guys had had scheduled uh, on that Monday that you were going to figure out what seating you were uh, in the NCAA tournament. What what was that like for y'all as a team? Just once you heard the news. Oh, we were all hurt. Like, we all wanted to go to the tournament. Uh, we felt like we had a pretty good chance to to make a big run since we made a run in the SEC tournament. Um, everybody was everybody was shocked. Like, they didn't think it was just going to come to an end right away. They thought we were going to play it out and see how it was going. But everybody was hurt, and we all wished that we could have continued to play through the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Amber, and definitely because the last year, the last season, you know, it kind of got snubbed out by Tennessee. So, y'all coming into this season, y'all knew y'all had that chip on your shoulder. And for y'all to definite, in my opinion, covering a bunch of the games, y'all had a different, definite 7-8 seed. And, you know, myself had made plans to come up to watch, do the watch party with y'all up there in Fayetteville. So, I could just imagine the roller coaster because how everything went bang, bang. You know, you had the great win over Texas A&M the loss against South Carolina, and then all of a sudden the season's over. So it's like it, you didn't have much time at all to really process everything that was going on. Yeah, it was hard. It was like, like I said, we were all shocked that it just came to an end so quickly, um, especially just coming off the SEC tournament. Um, the watch party was going to be Monday, like y'all said. But, I mean, we all took it how we – everybody took it differently, um, and we all just went with everything that Coach Neighbors was saying, and we just played it played it, played it out. Amber, we'll go to your high school career. You were one of the top recruits in the country coming out of Wagner High School in San Antonio. Five-star recruit. Some had you as high as 12th overall. McDonald's All-American. You also played in the Jordan Brand Classic game. And you finished your high school career with 2,000, almost 3,000 points at 2,769, which is second all-time in San Antonio City history. 
being a top recruit, I know that Coach Neighbors had had recruited you pretty hard out of high school as well. We'll get into that in a second. But what was it about TCU that intrigued you? Uh, just a family environment. Um, going Coming out of high school, I wanted to stay a little closer to home. Uh, I'm a big family person. So being four four hours away, that, that made it a big factor in going to TCU. But um, – Mainly the family environment, being close to home was the, the main the main factors that came to that decision. And you – so you had had – I know Washington – Coach Neighbors and I had actually spoken about it. I know Washington was one of the, the top schools that you had had on your list. What were some of the other ones? Uh, it came down to Washington, TCU, and Texas Tech. Texas Tech. And you had a very respectable career there while you were – the two years that you were at TCU. Your sophomore season in particular, you averaged 10 points per game. You shot 39% from, from three-point land. And you also, against Southeastern Louisiana, had a Big 12 and a TCU record made for threes with 11, scored 33 points. You were doing really well there. What were some underlying effects of you deciding to go to Arkansas? And, and was Coach Neighbors one of the first ones you contacted? Um. Me leaving TCU had nothing – it's kind of hard to talk about everything that happened. Sure, you don't have to go into details, um, just just some things that what, – what, what were some things that you liked about Coach Neighbors? Was he one of the ones that you contacted first? I mean, yeah, Coach Neighbors was one of the people that I wanted to contact uh, – wanted to be in contact with, especially having a relationship from coming right out of high school with the relationship we had at Washington. So us getting back into contact was really cool. Um just talked about basketball. It wasn't even nothing about school. It was just mainly like, how you been? Um, just basically talking about basketball, but um, that's pretty much it, yeah. So, Amber, let's go back to the, you know, the Texas A&M game in the SEC tournament. You know, they come into Fayetteville, and Kennedy Carter didn't get to play in the, the prior game in the SEC tournament. So, they came in, you know, really knowing what to expect this time and, and, and pulled out the win in Fayetteville. So, what was it like to – to get that win over them in the SEC tournament with them knowing exactly what to expect. And y'all, y'all pulled out a great win there in Greenville. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first SEC game we played Texas A&M and that, that loss was, it was rough for us, but getting to play them again, I think we are a little bit more prepared. Um, and we just had a chip on our shoulder from the, the SEC uh, conference. So I just think we were ready to play. Um, we just always fight no matter what. We're always coming in the game ready to fight, ready to go to war. And that's what we did. We pulled out the win. And in your first season, obviously you had to sit out due to transfer rules. You had you had, last season, along with, with the great players that you had around you, Chelsea Dungy, Taylor Thomas, Lexus Tolfrey, you, you guys all had your own success in many different ways. But you averaged 14 points per game, shot 44% from the field. And one big thing is that you – there are actually two big things that were, I know, really big individual successes for you. You broke a 21 – or 20-year-old record hitting 106 threes, which was second in the nation. And uh, you also led the SEC and made threes and three-point percentage, became one of 29 ladybacks to score 1,000 points. Now, I know that all of y'all have been really good about anytime you or Chelsea or Lex or anybody gets interviewed, y'all have always given the team credit. But individually, talk about what that meant for you and, and what some of your goals are moving forward. Um, a, big, uh, a big goal for me is to – or a national championship. So that's always a big goal. Individually, I mean, 
just keep doing what I'm doing, shooting threes, um, just keeping that percentage at what I – like, try to be better every year. So trying to beat the record that I had last year or just keeping that same percentage. So, Amber, we, we've had Coach Neighbors on a couple of times, and we've really – enjoyed him having him on and just talking with him and not just about basketball, but just normal everyday life. What is it like, you know, playing for him? What is it like during a practice under coach neighbors? Um, I love it. I mean, a lot of people say that they don't like going to practice, but I love going to practice. Um, coach neighbors just makes it enjoyable. We go into practice, have a good time. We get, the, uh, we get the job done. Uh, we get better. And it's just a, he's a fun guy to be around. I love being around Coach Neighbors. I love playing for him. Um, and hopefully we can have this season so we could we can make a run. And piggybacking off that, with the last time that we had had Coach Neighbors on, I basically had a 30-minute conversation with him and hardly talked about basketball. We touched on some analytic stuff a little bit. But what is, what is he like just to be around outside of basketball? You know, he's a big movie guy. He's a music guy. What are some things that, like, if you and him are just hanging out in his office, what do you all talk about? Just, like, everyday things. Uh, like, besides basketball? Yeah, just because I know that he's got a lot of interest in different things. And, obviously, I'm sure you have interest outside of basketball. So, just, like, what are some things that you guys just kind of shoot the bull about? And, and what, is, what are some things that maybe you guys share interest in outside of basketball? Maybe music, movies? Yeah. Um, well, going into coach – uh, neighbor's office. I don't know if y'all have been, but he has a lot of movies and books in his office. So we are usually uh, I'll ask him about a book or I'll ask him about a movie and he usually uh, tells me like, oh, this is a good one or this is a good one to watch. So that's pretty much a lot of stuff that we talk about is movies, books, um, and then obviously basketball. I mean, me being a basketball uh, junkie, I think we usually end up talking about basketball in some shape or form. So last year, y'all had a great season. You know, you set many records. You set home attendance records. And, you know, early on, you know, everybody said, you know, form the Splash Sisters and you playing alongside Alexis Tolfrey. What was it like to have her as a leader on the court? Because she really kind of took that, that point guard leadership role last year. And how, how fun was it to play with her last year? Playing with Alexis is fun. I mean, y'all see her on the court. She's always having a good time, always smiling, laughing. Um, and just having her by my side, like leading me on uh, different things. I mean, it was a it was great to play with her and be a part of the Splash Sisters. Amber, as we get to closing out here, I, I got to put you on the spot real quick. I told we before off uh, air we we were talking, and I mentioned that I lived in San Antonio for three years. So right. you being from there, where are the best tacos in town, in your opinion? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> um. If I had to choose one spot to go to get a taco from, it'll probably be like breakfast tacos or just a regular taco? Uh, we'll go with just regular. Breakfast, there's plenty of places, no doubt, but we'll just go like regular every day. Definitely got to go to Pollo Sasada. The chicken yes. spot. Yes. I agree. <laughs> That's probably I, the I best spot. I think I, I definitely I love that place too. I would I would probably say at the top of my list was Taquitos West Avenue. I don't know if you've ever been there. I know you're from the east part of the town, but uh, yeah, that was a really good spot too. But yeah, you really can't go wrong. That's that's what I tell people all the time is moving back to Arkansas. The thing that I miss most is being able to go around the corner to a Whataburger to get a honey butter chicken biscuit 
for breakfast or to uh, to have a, a breakfast taco just about at every corner. So you, yeah, you definitely that's food. that's one thing I do miss is a breakfast taco. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you guys have Whataburger. Up, y'all have a Whataburger in Fayetteville, so you still get to get the honey butter chicken biscuit and all those great breakfasts they have. Yeah, we have one Whataburger in Fayetteville, so that that's a good thing. <laughs> Well, an Arkansas water burger doesn't hold a candle to those Texas water burgers. Uh, we used to go down no, to no, South no. Texas, <laughs> and it was. But I, you're talking about the tacos. Me and my family's down South Texas near McAllen, and we would go down there. And uh, every time we would go to like to Reynosa or McAllen, uh, they would go through this barn, and I swear it was just a barn. And you pulled in the middle of it. One side was the alcohol side, and the other side was a, a restaurant. So you would get these uh, chorizo burritos with the egg, potatoes, and the chorizo burritos and tacos. That, to me, was was the best food I've ever ate down there. Yeah, definitely. San Antonio has probably some of the best hole in the walls just to go in, and you'll probably find the best food in a little in a little place you never thought would be good. So what can we expect for, for the season? I know y'all are really getting back into the gym, getting into, you know, the swing with the new players coming in, especially with Destiny Slocum and, and Jalen Mason getting to come off injury. I know she's just grinding to get back out on the court. You know, what can we expect out of the Ladybacks this year? Um, definitely some – we're always excited to get back on the court. Definitely we're going to fight. Um, that's one thing we we'll are always have the chip on our shoulder. Um, you could expect – big things I mean we're working to get back um hopefully we do have a season um and if we do just expect this uh there's more hunger in us we're hungry to to get to that tournament and see if we can make a run well Amber we really appreciate you coming on with us today and and uh real big fans of, of Arkansas women's basketball here on this pod big fan big fans of coach neighbors as I mentioned had him on a couple times and uh looking forward to big things from you guys you all have done an incredible job over the last couple of years of really getting getting women's basketball on the map and certainly if there's anything we can ever do for you guys we want to help for sure thank y'all for having me hey, no problem well that will do it for episode 104 of the hog talk podcast for for amber ramirez porter hayes and all of us here my name is kyle Sullivan. we'll catch you next time Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.